Episode 8 When it comes to music, Doc knows the score. In this episode, number 8, we'll delve a bit deeper into something all three of us have not only an interest in, but a passion for. And no, it has nothing to do with mermaids. If you remember, we talked about mermaids in the last episode. Rather, music. Perhaps more so for me and Clark, but with Mark's extraterrestrial hobnobbing with people like Pavarotti, Toscanini, Victor Borga, we're certain he'll have some amazing insight to bring to the table. And once again, we have the pleasure of extending a hearty hello from what must now certainly be your favorite Twitty Tweezum. And that's mostly because there just ain't anybody else out there as mentally challenged or just plain crazy. No, just kidding. We seem perfectly sane. At least to us. I'm Clark, twit number two. And then there's Doc, twit number one. And then there's Mr. Twain. When and if he shows up. Doc, you'll be glad to know I have not just awakened, like last time we were together. Well, I'm certainly glad you didn't get into the habit of taking a rather lengthy and deep afternoon nap. Now, if anyone should be yawning, it's me. I just rolled out of bed. And I'll bet you're bright-eyed and bushy-tailed. Every day, rain or shine, snow or gloom of day. You know, just like that mailman or... Is it male person, or female man, or female male man, or... Uh, better stop there. I did sense a note of sarcasm in that statement about rolling out of bed, but since today we're talking about music, I guess I'll be happy with any kind of note of note. <sighs> By the way, you made a rather snide comment about Mark in your opening remarks about if and when he shows up. Well, I'll have you know that he's been sitting by my side ever since we started this call. Say something witty, Mark. Oh, right off the bat? You expect me to come up with something interesting? Well, I'll tell you two twits what I've told numerous others, and this applies to me as well. It is better to keep your mouth closed and let people think you as a fool than to open it and remove all doubt. Now, I have no interest in being thought of as a fool, especially at this time of the morning. So, does that translate into the fact that the first one of us to begin a conversation from here on in, the first one to open our mouths, might just risk being considered an idiot? If the shoe fits where it... Well, that, that sounds more of a case for my partner here, Doc Martins himself. He'd be a shoe in for that. Ah, well, if not a fool, maybe a twit. Well, that I can identify with. Ooh, sounds like Mark's a bit testy today. Sorry about that, fellas, but you'd be a bit irritated too if you lost your cigar. But then, I don't believe you fellas smoke, do you? No, it's probably the only bad habit that Doc and I haven't picked up over the years. Have you ever considered quitting? Oh, my, giving up smoking is the easiest thing in the world. I know, because I've done it thousands of times. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> now, I never smoke to excess. That is, uh, I smoke in moderation. Only one cigar at a time. Did you smoke while you were younger as well? Oh, yes, I was young and foolish then. Now, I'm old and foolisher. Hey, men. Uh, you too, Doc. Can I make a suggestion? Perhaps we should transition to the topic of the day. Music. Everybody up for that? Yes, absolutely. Yes, go on. Now, I know you two have been singing for quite some time, and you formed a doo-wop quartet called the, the Ethers. <laughs> <laughs> that was awfully close, Mark, but that happened to be from a joke Clark told during the past episode. It was the fabulous formaldehydes. How the hell did you ever come up with that name? Did a coroner think that name up for you? No, but after we began to sing around a bit, we had some of those undertaker types inquire if we catered to their industry. We told them we did not, but we would gladly perform at one of their conventions. But we heard those conventions were kind of dead. Oh, so bad, Clark. But I do remember the noise level in there. Everybody in the audience was coughing. It's darn hard to sing a cappella with all that noise. But I think after one or two of our very early performances, you know, before we got good, we would gladly have jumped into just one to get the hell off stage. Okay, but I'm still interested in how the hell you landed on that name. There must be a good story in there somewhere. Oh, there is. All four of us were at a rehearsal one night, and we thought it might be a good idea to come up with a name for our little group. I remember... We all looked around the room, muttering to ourselves about various phrases, words, looks, and we almost simultaneously came up with the first syllable, four, F-O-U-R, since there were four of us. Simple up to this point. Then we pondered a bit more, thinking about what we sang. Doo-wop, sure, that was an obvious selection, but we wanted something a little out of the ordinary and memorable. However, all the songs we sing are quite melodic, or comprised of melodies. So the four melodies, uh, nah, still too trite, or even generic. Hell, it was just plain lame. So then we decided to concentrate on what we were going to wear. Always an issue with groups. But, as if one, we said, ah, black leather jackets. Or, as one of our four then piped up, hides. So now we had it. Four Melody Hides. Then, almost in unison, we all said, Four Melody Hides. But to add the finishing touch to it, since there was a rather interesting, although boring, term we were all rather used to during the 50s and 60s, we just added the prefix, fabulous. And that was it. And Doc, don't forget to tell the people what we're doing singing those great old tunes. We were preserving the sounds of the 50s and 60s. You know, formaldehyde, formaldehydes, <laughs> you know what I mean. Gentlemen, that was remarkably brilliant. And you didn't have to sweat bullets over landing on just the right name. It was there all the time. Well, it survived over five years of performing on two continents in every kind of venue available, from outdoor amphitheaters to home parties, from churches to bars. Now, you'd think that was our favorite. But some of the lounges we performed in, particularly in France, 
were so smoke-filled that we had a rough time breathing, which meant we had to drink more. Now you're talking. Do you mind telling me about one of the most exciting times you had during that five years? Just remember, you called this a family show. Clark, what do you recall as being a standout experience? Perhaps the Edinburgh Fringe Festival. Or maybe the outdoor concert where we sang with Jerry Lewis and the Playboys and the Turtles. Or meeting and singing with Frankie Avalon. And then there was the CD release party we held at the Red Lion Hotel. Oh, Doc, we could go on and on. They were all rather earth-shaking, at least in our minds. You know, but for me, it wasn't even something we sang. Sure, there was that great amphitheater concert you mentioned with all the wonderful oldies bands and thousands of people. And there was a national TV event that we did with QVC that sold thousands of CDs. And that gig at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival was maybe my favorite time with the group, especially after we received the pick of the day from the Edinburgh newspaper. But like I said, it wasn't just the singing. One night, we were to sing at a large outdoor stage in the center of, of Edinburgh. And we decided to walk, already in our costumes, and go by a back route by the castle. As we started up, I, I noticed that the route was lined with people in wheelchairs, all trying to catch a glimpse of the festivities. I, honestly, I, I was so moved by what I saw, I told Danny, one of the guys in the group ahead of me, that this is a sight I will never forget. He looked at me with tears in his eyes, and we both just about had a good cry at the humanity of that moment. And then before leaving Edinburgh, we sang at a hospice. We did one of our favorite hymns, How Great Thou Art. I will never forget the enraptured faces of those whom we knew wouldn't be with us much longer. And I nearly didn't finish the song. You know, besides the joy we felt while performing, we know we gave a lot of joy back to whomever was anywhere to see us. So those are my highlights, all belonging to the quartet that changed all of us. And I think for the better. One more question. Whose idea was it to get a quartet together? And how did you find the members? That one falls on Clark's shoulders. He had the idea, and since we were best friends, I was the first one he asked. He mentioned the word quartet to me, and the picture of a barbershop quartet popped into my head. Not a big fan of barbershop. So I gently declined. But... He continued, saying that the music we'd be singing would be 50s and 60s songs. Well, that left me rather lost as well, since during those two decades I was studying to be a concert pianist. So Mozart and Beethoven were names that meant a hell of a lot more to me than the Diamonds or Beach Boys. The only recollection I had of that genre of music was on Friday nights at the YMCA, where there were dances, which I occasionally attended sitting on the sidelines, just watching the girls, with waves of band sounds piercing my sensitive ears. But there was this way that Clark approached me, along with the excitement in his voice that made me utter a rather weak, okay. That's right, Doc. So courageous of you. And then we had to find a couple of tenors. So, you found one that just happened to join the church choir you were directing. And I had a vague acquaintance of a fast-food store manager, who I thought sang in a band years before. They were hired. Sound unseen. Yes, and they were unheard of. Doc, you're on a roll. I remember the first night we got together. 
All we did was croon a bit and drink some beer. We could actually stand each other. And you know, the sound was pretty darn good. Besides that, you stayed away from that nasty water. Not only that, but we soon found we had a unanimous liking for single malt scotch. Especially after our tour of England, Scotland, and Ireland. And all but one of us managed to refrain from imbibing prior to any concert. Oh, and who was that, might I ask? Ah, well, secrets like that will never be disclosed. Well, then, I don't know if I should disclose a couple things that happened to me a while ago, and just recently. Did it have anything to do with drinking? Nah, we can banter about that all day long. One of my favorite subjects. This happens to pertain to some of the fellows I met while playing bridge. You know, wherever I came from to get here. As you mentioned at the beginning of today's show, there was Pavarotti, Tuscanini, and a Victor Borga. Now, while they were all lousy at playing bridge, they did offer to give me some music lessons. Oh, Luciano kept saying that I was a lost cause, but he still insisted that there was a glimmer of hope. Have no idea where, but we did spend some time together. Victor had a bit of an easier time, since I played piano a bit anyway, but he introduced me to composers like Mozart and Chopin. I rather liked it. And then there was Arturo, I called him Art. Had a rather difficult time understanding him sometimes uh, with that thick Italian accent. But I've always had a desire to stand in front of an orchestra with all those instruments playing at once and have control over such a magnificent sound. Unfortunately... He took the tempos so damn fast sometimes that, as a beginner, I had a hard time keeping up. So whenever I go back, we've got another lesson scheduled. <laughs> had no idea where that would lead, but just the other day, somebody from your time, right here, right now, has apparently been trying to contact me to ask me to conduct something. Haven't followed it up yet. <laughs> Don't really know how. Think you guys might give me a hand? That's not what I meant. We know, but we just couldn't resist. We'll do some research and try to discover who the hell is trying to contact you for something other than talking or telling a humorous story. Strange. Mark, you say that you've been introduced to some Mozart and Chopin compositions? I know Doc has a piano over there in his studio. Could you give us a brief sample? Oh, and brief it will be. Not very comfortable doing this yet. Uh, what, what do you want? A little Mozart first? Well, take a look here. See if this piano works. Well, it works all right. <laughs> all right, here's a, a little Mozart. Yeah, okay, play away. Don't hurt yourself.
was rather soothing. So, now, I suppose you want a little Chopin. Now, this is going to be a bit more challenging. say you've been playing? You sound like an accomplished pianist. Well, during the past 166 years, some of which I was playing a bit before I croaked, I guess I do have a bit more experience than many. How long do you think it'll be until you're ready to show us how much Luciano has rubbed off? One hell of a long time. He admitted it ain't gonna be easy. In fact, he indicated that it would be nigh unto impossible to get me into that mode. But he keeps trying. A glutton for punishment. Well, Mark, as far as we're concerned, you can just keep telling your stories, giving us twits, a little wit from time to time, and making us laugh. I'll try. Well, folks, I think that's all the time we have for today. And allow me to add a final word for those of you who want to follow all our fun podcasts. Just go to www.twotwitsandtwain.com. Now, if you wish to leave us a message, which we fully encourage, go to contact at twotwitsandtwain.com. Remember, that's two T-W-O. So, until next time, so long from Clark, Mark, and yours truly. Let's all say goodbye together. Goodbye together. Goodbye together. That's not what he meant, you twits. Ah, oh, okay. So long. Farewell. Au revoir. 